Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus said, In those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. About that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. <clears throat> Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to share with you two lesser-known stories from yesterday's electing convention for our next bishop. First began with the rehearsal on Friday. The secretary, I had to show up early and help with that. I met with Brother Ankel, who's a member of Brother of St. Gregory. He'd flown out from Austin to do translation. We went down to Cafe Isabella, just down the hill, and ate breakfast burritos together. And as we were doing that, I got a call from the canon presenter at Grace Cathedral, and she said, the internet is down at the cathedral. <laughs> and here we were getting ready to vote electronically. <laughs> Keep awake, therefore. So we had a backup in place. For those of you who remember the Scantron ballots, if you ever did an SAT, you know the bubble filled things, right? And we used it in 2006 at the time. That was, that was the top drawer thing to use in an election. And we had already printed one set of ballots as a backup, so we printed two more. And, um, I'll never forget it. Um, Hannah and Stephanie Martin-Taylor, who's the communications coordinator for the diocese, went back to the diocesan office, and she walked into the cathedral with a big box of 480 number two pencils. <laughs> So we're like, we're ready. It took me back to my scouting days, you know, the old scouting motto, be prepared. But perhaps even more germane for today's readings was a photograph that was taken yesterday by one of my colleagues as we were preparing to get underway with the convention. 
just to lift the hood a little bit, one, one of the bottlenecks for getting ready to elect a bishop is we have to have a majority of the clergy of the diocese eligible to vote present with us. And we had 306 clergy eligible. Many of them are retired. Many of them live outside the diocese. So reaching for it. I can see one of our parliamentarians over here shaking his head already. <laughs> you can only begin to imagine what a headache that was. Um, we thought we had 170 or so coming, but all through the vigil, we were counting 110 present. And that was beneath quorum. And so the voting secretary and I were getting very nervous. And as the tables were being set up at the end of the vigil, and everybody was getting anxious to vote, right? we had 350 or so people there ready to vote, ready to roll. I decided I was going to make an announcement to my colleague clergy to make sure they had logged on and that they were counted for the quorum, except the microphone system wasn't working. <laughs> I looked across the cathedral and in the microphone booth, no one was there because they were setting up the dais at the front. So I started to walk down the middle aisle with the loudest voice I could. And of course, in Grace Cathedral, that doesn't matter. It just sort of evaporates. One of my colleagues grabbed a picture of the caption screen on the left side of the cathedral at that moment, and it said, Brother Richard Edward, may I have your attention, please? Patient, inaudible, 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 inaudible. And our own delegate, Bill Cullen, was sitting in the foreground of the picture. What's he saying? <laughs> president of the standing committee said to me, it was a little bit like those Charlie Blatt Brown cartoons, you remember those, where the teacher speaks, it seems sometimes that when God is speaking, that's all we hear. It's inaudible or inscrutable. The task of Advent is before us, and the demands that Jesus puts in front of us today are the same demands that were put in front of Mark's community in the first century, which is to, to remain alert and aware of what's happening around us. We talked about this passage at the eight o'clock service this morning, and we were reminded that we forget very quickly just how many people work and labor to sustain our lives. We thought about the food on our tables, how many work to make it possible for it to be there. We thought about Eric, the crossing guard, who works out here every weekday. Have you met Eric? Some of you who live in the neighborhood have. You know how many kids get to school safely because of his work? And how many kids have a laugh because he jokes with them every morning as he walks them across the crosswalk? How many families he encounters? You know, he is really, honestly, a pastor among us. He greets me every morning when I arrive. He greets Joe every morning when he arrives as we come in for work. He always jokes with me when it's raining, we should get ready to build the ark. And then he says, I'm grateful for the rain, just as long as it doesn't hail. That's all. That's what he always tells me. 
It's those types of things that we are being called to look for. Chet Myers wrote probably what is considered one of the most authoritative modern interpretations of Mark's gospel. It's called Binding the Strong Man. Binding the Strong Man. And what he means by the title and what he writes about is the way in which Mark's gospel is written to completely turn over the world order as we understand it. Mark's world, not too dissimilar to ours, was dominated by strong men, people in power who, by the threat of violence, maintained authority and wealth and a whole host of other things, and the society was held together that way. And what Jesus is presenting is apocalyptic. In the modern sense, world ending. But also in the ancient sense of apocalypsis, which means to reveal what is true, what is real, what is actually going on. And what Jesus is doing is he wants us to tune in to what has been inaudible before, what has been inscrutable when we only think about the ways that the world works that are familiar. That when we step outside of the ways of violence and power, we step into a world where suddenly all of the people who work to make life possible are visible. Where all the voices that we have not heard, voices that are suffering, voices that bear truth, voices that have something very important for us to say for our transformation, that we can finally hear them and take them in to our lives. That is the project for us in the season of Advent, is to begin to open our eyes and unstop our ears and, above all, open our hearts to many of the things that most of us take for granted in any given day. The labor that makes our life possible. The work that is done inside and outside of our households that sustains us. The running water that makes life itself possible. The sky which, as many of you observed, delivered a rainbow just a few minutes ago, right out here over Mount Tam. Confession is good in Advent. I confess, I don't think much about Mount Timopius every day when I drive into work. We live right in its arms here, and yet how many of us take it for granted 
most days. My colleague who posted that picture of the caption screen yesterday titled it, A Typical Day in the Diocese of California. Maybe, maybe not. But as we got into the electing convention yesterday, and it was very clear who we were going to elect, our first Latino bishop, who is not just bilingual, but trilingual, who brings a gift to us of doing incredibly important immigrant ministry on the ground in Rome, who understands the plight of people in our diocese who had been part of us for decades, but who have only just begun to have their voices heard in the halls of power. we realized that the spirit had been moving among us. And we had finally reached a place where we were listening. And that felt really good. It was a moment that was God-given. It was an Advent moment. So I invite you to look for Advent moments like that in your life in the coming days where you start to see the world with new eyes, start to hear it with new ears, and you find yourself suddenly feeling awake. Because that is where Christ is at the door where God is preparing to do something new. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.